I'm going to dig right in. Um, something is going to happen tonight. By the time I finish t- t- today, if at any moment what I'm talking about is, is tagging you on your heart and you want to come up here, I'm open. I come from an African church where <laughs> if it's working on you in that moment, do not hesitate. Don't wait for the right moment when I'm going to allow you to do it. Because once the word is working in you, you are the activator of what God has put in you. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a small uh, recap here because there's a lot going on in the world. Um, there's a game we used to play in Uganda. It's called King of the Hill. And on, on this game, I remember we would, uh, would pile up trash. Sometimes it would be trash. Sometimes it was sand. But because we didn't have so many toys, uh, the idea was whoever lasted the longest on top of the hill for however long he did was the king. And so the scrimmage would begin. We'd all get on one side after we've worked so hard to pile up this trash. Everybody is sprinting to get to the top of the trash. But the first person who always got there, whenever he got taken off, so did the pile. And by the end of the game, the pile was no longer. And that was the sign that the game is over. I'm talking about this because there's some people's faith. You had been built up a certain level of the knowledge of the word of God that you believed you truly possessed. But when a storm like COVID came, you found yourself standing on the same level like it was. And you're wondering, God, has everything I've been doing been just a waste? Have I been going to church for the last 40, 50 years, studying this word of God every single day? Going to prayer meetings, fasting, doing everything that I know how to do in my power. And here I am. Instead of being on elevated ground, I'm on the same plane. I'm talking to people like you today. And I want to remind you that there's something in the word of God that goes beyond what you can naturally see with your own eyes. I want to do a recap from Wednesday because what I'm going to talk about tonight is going to be a continuation from Wednesday. If you didn't watch Wednesday, I would recommend it. Uh, Let's go to Romans 10, 17. It says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There's something I want to break down here because it says faith cometh by hearing. Paul is talking to the Romans He's talking to the Roman church, really. He's talking about the saving faith of Jesus Christ. And the word that he uses for hearing here is like when you hear the gospel being preached. What gospel is being preached? Christ died, resurrected, and ascended. Christ took on everything that would otherwise disqualify you from receiving Jesus in your life, being made new. Being made a new person, receiving the spirit of Christ in you. So what Paul is saying that that kind of faith 
comes by hearing. And then he goes on to say, hearing by the word of God. And that word, word is rhema. In other words, when I hear, I speak. But here's the most interesting part that God was showing me. Whatever you hear out of the word of God that does not sit on your heart, you can't utter. The word of God has to, there's a time between hearing the message of God and letting it marinate in your life and then speaking it out to a situation. Here's what I mean. I used this example on Wednesday. When the Israelites were walking around the walls of Jerusalem, the walls of Jericho, Joshua had a message from God. God told Joshua, walk around seven times, and on the seventh time, shout. Joshua goes and tells the children of Israel, he tells them, we're going to walk around the walls today. So in in the soldiers' mind, their idea was, we're going to walk around one time, and then we're going to attack we're going to inspect the walls. Can you imagine day one, they walk around, and some go back home and their wives or kids ask, so how was today? We walked around, we staked the whole building. By the way, these walls were huge. I'm, I'm going to skip through. Come the seventh day. All they have to stand on now is a message that Joshua had from God. And they're waiting for a moment when they're going to use their weapons to activate that message. They're waiting for a moment when they're going to be like, okay, now for all my training that I have had, i got to figure out how to defeat this city that can't be defeated ever by any army in the world at the time. And all that Joshua tells them is shout. If you are one of the soldiers, let's say you're going through the greatest scare like the world is going through right now, COVID, and your solution is the greatest vaccine in the world. Your solution is who are the richest, who are the greatest minds, let's come together, sit at the table, and let's work so smart, let's invest, let's do this. Not not bad at all. But what if God's idea is the one you think is the most foolish idea for where you are right now? If God only asks you and says, do you believe what I told you? Because he's given you all the answer, everything you could ever need, even in today's situation. Either we don't believe what he said, even though we say it, or something between what we hear and what we say doesn't seep deep into our hearts and seep through everything that we understand. Here's what I mean. There's the legal work of God, which is whatever Christ has accomplished for us. And then there's the vital work of Christ, which is what the Holy Spirit is doing through us in this world. If you turn your Bibles to John chapter 1, verses 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Now here, I'm trying to bring together the hearing part. Because this word here is logos. The word logos means the expressed thought of God. 
It is the summation of everything that the law said, the prophets said, the Psalms said, <laughs> concerning Jesus Christ. He himself said it in Luke 24, where, where he took the disciples through, beginning with Moses all the way to the Psalms, bringing their understanding concerning himself. In other words, something had been misunderstood all through time. In John chapter 6, they're asking him, who? We believe in Abraham. He said, I'm the God of Abraham. Wait a minute. Are you that old? You're only 30. How can this be? And then he tells them, I was the rock that followed them in the wilderness. And they're like, how can this be? Because sometimes the message of God cannot be understood if we're looking at the situations around us. If God says, I am, I will be, and I will forever be, he means exactly what he says. What bathes the faith in us is when we stand on that word amidst what we are going through. And that's when the work of the Spirit in us takes root. Here's what I mean. He said, and the light shines in the darkest, in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. That word comprehend means to aggressively take or a forceful, decisive initiative. So in other words, what God has given me, God has not cleared the darkness in this world. He's, he's trying to clear the darkness on the inside of me. Every gospel that you're hearing and the message you're hearing is really trying to change you first. Where does God want to dwell? In me. Where does the Father's Spirit dwell? In me. What does, what does the Father want to do? He wants to work through me in this world. That's why in him I live and have my being. In Revelation 13, 8, it said Jesus was slain before the foundation of the world. In other words, God made all the provision for everything you could ever need before he put you in the mix. And that's why I'm here to tell you tonight that you are God's best. He saw it through our time that one time in 2020, the, the devil gonna pull a trick on you and it's gonna feel, feel really bad. You're gonna feel so lost. You're never gonna understand what is going on, but I've wired you to thrive in that environment. And here's what Jesus is really saying. If, if his logos is his expressed thoughts, and his, and his expressed thoughts have become a word that we read, what God just did is he has brought himself into the manifest world. so that you and I can find him. Because remember what happened in the Garden of Eden is they left the presence of God after they sinned, and from that day on, man could not find God. And that's why we have all, all the science we have today. There's a guy called Frederick Nietzsche who believes, who wrote a poem about the parable of the madman saying, we have killed God. This whole idea is because no matter how hard we strive to find God, we can't. 
Because God has already made himself available to us through his word. In other words, the word of God is God made manifest to our senses. I'll prove it to you some more. Go to John chapter 2, verses 22. And I'm going to skip through here. Uh, Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this to them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus said. I'm going to pause there. So when did they believe? Not when he said it. They waited for something to happen, and then they believed. Let's keep going. Many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. But look what Jesus does. But Jesus had no need that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. So he was interested that they understand the message and the miracles than they were understanding the miracles the man did. Because in this, in this life, he knew, he tells John at one point, Peter, he said, you're going to get sifted like wheat. He says, I pray that your faith will stand. In other words, whatever you have, the summation of what you understand as God, as who God is, is the thing that's going to activate what you're standing on in Jesus Christ. In other words, they believed the miracles, but they were in unbelief about the message. Have you ever gone to a church or met believers where I have so much faith about what God should do for me? But when you ask them, what are you standing on? They are waiting for the next man of God in line. Maybe that's why the ministry and and church and the people of God are going through a a sifting. Where are you laying your eyes? Who are you looking to? If God has made himself manifest, in other words, don't look for me from anywhere else. I have transformed myself and put my spirit in you, giving you my word in you. In other words, the message of Christ in me is what I believe in to bath and see what I want to see with my eyes. The Spirit of God at work in me. Therefore, when I hear the gospel message and I accept that God's love proves my value, then my faith is sealed. I can walk around and say, I know God's going to heal today. I know God's going to provide Today, I know God's going to take me to a different level today. I know God's going to heal that cancer today. I know God's going to heal that breathing issue today. I know God's going to heal because one day in the house of God is better than a thousand days elsewhere. I love what Jesus does after he comes back from the dead. Because for the disciples that believed in him for three years, he's... He's right standing with them. He's back, and the only thing he says is, look at my hands. Look at my feet. Look at my side. In other words, I don't condemn you for what you didn't get. 
I'm here to show you what you need to do because I'm about to commission you. I love you so much. You are of so much value to me. I designed you for this time. I designed you for this moment. I designed you to not just survive. I designed you to thrive. Miles Monroe said this statement, a faith that has not been tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. An anointing that hasn't been through anything is an anointing that's worth nothing. God has brought you to this place not to scare you. You are in this place at this time because you carry what God expects you to execute out of your own self, which is his word at work in you, taking that darkness out of yourself and into the world. And that's how we become a city on a hill. I'll continue. I want to show you a story of of a lady that does something to Jesus that's so amazing. I shared half of this on Wednesday, but I'll continue to, to the other half. Luke chapter 7, verses 44, and I'm going to read from 44 to 50. Then he turned to the woman and said, and said to Simon, do you see this woman? This woman I'm talking about here is the woman with the alabaster jar. She heard about Jesus being in town. Somehow she knew some stuff about the redemptive nature, the the redemptive love of Christ, and she showed up to this dinner uninvited. She came even if it meant that her life was going to end that night. She came if it meant that her story wasn't going to be talked about ever. She came even if it meant that Jesus was going to reject her. So she shows up with this alabaster jar, puts it at the feet of Jesus, does all of these things. So I'm jumping in halfway through here. And after she does all of this at the feet of Jesus, Jesus says, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. To a rabbi, that's a sign of trust. The people of God... The Pharisees, the disciples, are sitting in the same room with with the Son of God. And anything that has to do with trust, they have no idea. A sinner, a labored sinner, comes from outside, comes from a world that is silth and messed up, but has the sight to see that when I meet the man that I hear about and the message that has been working in my life, I'm not going to be the same. What I'm going to do is do the best gesture of trust that I know. I've seen the rabbis get it. And she gets down and begins to wipe her hair. With her perfume on the feet of Jesus. When was the last time that you did you used something that cost you everything to tell God if this is what my value is in life, I want you to have it. 
because your message is much more important for me than anything I could ever earn or build with my life's existence. The next thing she did is, verses 45, you give me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since I came in here. Kissing in the Jewish culture is a sign of veneration. Respect. When people met rabbis, they would kiss their hands or their feet. This woman has come with a posture that the Pharisees are thinking, we're on the table with God, so therefore there shouldn't be any honor in this room. Because I'm rubbing shoulders with the king of kings, they probably don't even know he is the king of kings. A person who is lost is coming in the room with a sudden desire in their heart, unrequired, unrequested, uninvited, and doesn't even come to get a seat on the table. They come to get under the table. They didn't come to be seen. They came to seek, to seek something that only God could give. And the very last thing that this lady does is, Jesus said, she did not, you did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Jesus is he's talking about priesthood. So she's, Jesus is pointing out what this lady, considered as an outsider, knew about who God was amidst what the people who, who thought they knew who God was actually knew. Because whatever they knew in their hearts had no action with it. They were waiting for God to come, yet God was in their midst. They were waiting for this eschatological ending of the, of the greatest kingdom ever, and it was right in their sight. But a sinner, a lost person, walks in the room and does something that cost them everything, and yet all they knew, we don't know if they ever met Jesus before this time. We don't know where they, this lady could have even found Jesus at any moment in her story. But the words that Jesus spoke at whatever moment Jesus spoke them stayed in her heart to the point that when she had Jesus was in town, she's like, this is my moment. And then, I, and then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to, to say to themselves, who is this that even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. You get what I was trying to say earlier now? That this woman received the word of God. The word of God walked in her heart. And out of her heart, this birthed something that said, there's nothing of value in my life if I don't have you. I could have all the money in the world, but God, I know your words, they are life and they are truth. There's nothing in this world I would rather have. It's like how Moses said, God, we would rather stay here in the wilderness with your presence than go in the promised land without your presence. 
How will they know that we're your children? These are things I'm talking about now. That word saved means rescued from the penalty of sin and brought into divine safety. So what Jesus was telling this woman was you have had the gospel and the gospel has worked in you. And that's why Jesus often said, your faith has made you well. He always separated himself in the human nature from what God was doing in people's lives because he always says, your faith has made you. Well, remember the Syrophoenician woman who said, God, I have a daughter. She's demon-possessed. And Jesus is like, man, my bread is only for the children of Israel. And the woman is like, no, 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 no. I, I need help right now. And then Jesus again goes on to say something so controversial if you said today and said, my bread is not for dogs. And this woman doesn't see any blur lines. I can't imagine how that felt like a knife in her heart coming from the person she believed was the son of God, a person who demons listened to, a person who sickness listened to, a person who any kind of problem listened to, says, what I have is not for dogs. Maybe you're in this room, oh, I've been hurt by church. Because maybe somebody said what they have wasn't for dogs. This woman stayed at the foot of Jesus, and and then she says something. This is how you know that the message of God has really activated you, that you don't care. Because you are so uncomfortable with who you have been, with where you have been, that what God has to give you is more important, and whatever it's going to cost you is okay. This lady said, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall off the table. This lady pretty much said, all I need is a little bit. If he could give it all to the children of Israel, let me just eat what falls off the table. And I'll be just fine. She's doing the same thing like this lady. I want to get under the table. I don't need a seat on the table. I don't need to be equal with you, God. I just need whatever crumbs fall off your table. God can be working destiny within our lives at the worst possible timing or moments that do not make sense. What is your alabaster jar? Is it your past guilt? Future hope, professional identity, financial security. This woman had her future. It says this was a year's salary that she had got together. The same smell that covered up her body to attract the wrong kind of relationships is the very same smell she brought right into the throne room of God for worship. I'll say that again, because it's for somebody in here. The very same thing that attracted men in her life, that attracted the mess in her life, is the very same gift she brought to God. And God said, you are forgiven. Your faith has made you well. Something in the word of God activated her. That's why I always say, you can be saved and still be a mess. 
You can come to church and still be a mess. Because sometimes God is working on the inside of you, and if you never pay attention to the work on the inside, you will always wonder why the outside is not changing. And when I say outside, I don't just mean your, your relationships. I mean you as an individual. You as a person. Sometimes we don't change because we really haven't internalized this God who chooses to empty himself of all the riches and the glories of heaven. Consider himself less equal with all the heavenlies and say, you know what? I'm going to dwell among them. I want to identify myself with them. Have you ever seen an artist who chooses to identify himself with his art piece? I haven't seen any. They just signed them. They never become the art piece. Here we have a God who is like, no, 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 no. I just didn't design that to just thrive by itself. I designed it so I could dwell in it. My life, his life. Their life, my life. This is where God is, ta- is taking us. And that's why you see the Jews understood everything. Or they thought they did. Miracles, signs, confirmation, collaborations, I mean, clarity and purpose. I mean, the Greeks built the library of, of understanding. All our philosophies at some point are Greek in nature. But look what 1 Corinthians says about them. 1 Corinthians 1, 8, 18. It says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to, to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. The gospel we declare is Christ crucified, resurrected, ascended. It's meant to be simple. God did not invite you. God chose you. I'll say that again. God did not invite you. God chose you. Because you are his best prize. He had you on his mind. Unbelief makes the gospel foolish. Here's what I mean by unbelief. There was a, if you read the book of 1 John all the way through, there's, he's dealing with this problem of Gnosticism. Where even today in church it's being taught, where we consider ourselves equal with God. In other words, there's no honor at all. It's like, I have faith in me. If I believe it enough, I can have it. If, if, I, if I can do this, I will get there. We, we, we are adding one and two to get three, and then we're doing all each other, and then we slap the scripture on it. God has blessed what I got. If the Son of God himself did not consider himself equal with God, how much more is us? Let me remind you. If Jesus says, my father is the gardener, I'm the tree, you are the branches, the branch can never become a tree. 
But the life that's in the tree is the life that's in the branches. There's a continuous cycle that God is, te- is teaching us here because there's so much wisdom in the world now that you can easily think of yourself as God in your own world. This woman walks in a room where all she believed was the message of Jesus Christ can change me. Jesus hadn't yet even died. That means the faith of this woman went into tomorrow and brought back her salvation the day before Jesus even died. I don't think you caught that. Faith is so strong that when the message takes root in your life, it can bring your tomorrow to today. I'll say that again in a, in a different way. There was a time in Uganda when uh, pastors were being put in prison, left and right. My dad was one of them. And so they put him in, in, in this one cell in one city, and men, <laughs> revival broke out in the cell. And so the, the, govern, the government officials meet together, and then they decide, you know what, let's split these guys into other prisons so we can control the revival. Well, great idea, yep. So they get them out of one cell. They spread them out, north, south, east, west. They didn't realize what they were setting themselves up. Now the entire nation in the prisons is on fire. And amidst of this revival happening in prisons, people started leaving their church buildings to go visit people in prison. And people were willing to go to jail so they can experience the miracle-working power of God. Churches were getting empty. Because God can be working something on the inside of us. At, at this point, the whole nation was in war. That's why my name is Tomosime, by the way, because I was born right after that. It, it means let's thank God. So there was war happening. Everybody is in a place. Let's seek God. Let's seek God. Let's seek God. And there's these crazy men who are not allowed to share the gospel and they decide to go in these camps, which were prisons, and they decide to preach the gospel, and this starts to happen. Literally, the entire nation got transformed in that time. They brought what was meant for later after the war, if they had waited, because the USA was going to come in. The UN was going to come in. NATO was going to come in. Let's go rescue this country. I mean, civil war just broke out. But I remember in this moment, one of the pastors prophesied, in the next two weeks, the war will be over, churches will be restored, and (laughs) I can tell you almost like word for word, everything the pastor prophesied at that service, at at one of the cells, churches were restored the next day. The world was quiet. There's no history in any of the books where the UN or or NATO did anything about it. Because when we internalize the message of Christ in us, 
then when we walk into the battleground, we're not waiting for God to move. When we're in the battleground, it means God is moving. When sickness comes into my body, it means God is saying something. The devil throwing his punches. Now what am I going to do? Let's keep going here. In other words, accept your value. Faith is God holding you up, not you holding him up. There's something interesting that happens with this woman. Do you realize, have you caught it already, that this woman hasn't said a word? Read the entire chapter. She walks in, and all she's doing is what she knew how to do. She walks in, her reputation preceded her because what she was carrying smelt. Everybody knew her by her record. Her identity was she's a prostitute in town. She's been demon-possessed before. And she walks in with that very same identity as her secret place of worship but doesn't utter a single word. Does the very same thing she does. And God responds in such a mild way. In other words, her tears and her posture were more eloquent than her speech. Because what has the message of Christ? The message of Christ had already changed the heart. And what was coming out of her heart was no longer, God, are you going to do this? God, this is hard. I might die here. God, do, do, is this, can I wait for some time when, he, when he's walking around town? Because I really don't want to go at this. That wasn't what was in our heart. Our heart was saying, God, I need you right now. And I'm so desperate that I'm willing to do even what he didn't require heart to do. But whatever had under everything. In other words, her identity was her purpose all at once even though she was in sin before she met Jesus. She formed an altar that not only transformed her future, but her present condition. <laughs> I'm going to come on this for a bit. <laughs> As I was getting ready for this, my wife could testify. I had just met with Pastor Ken in the, in, in the office a couple of days prior, and I was home meditating. God, how, how could a woman who only heard things be so changed in her life, do things she's never done before? Come to the altar of God, kneel down, and worship like she did. And all my life, I have been taught that the only way for me to worship is to first make myself so pure so God can accept me. That bothered my mind. 
I was in the basement just passing around. It's like, God, why have I missed this all my life? That I've been waiting to be so pure to say you're holy. This woman doesn't even use words. She comes at the feet of Jesus and <laughs> doesn't even open her mouth. Her heart spoke volumes, and God sits through it. I don't think Jesus ate at this dinner. I think that was food enough that somebody finally got the message of his entire mission and went ahead of him and tapped into something that wasn't even (laughs) ready yet and brought it into their lives by faith. She was a broken spirit. Before there's any real outward transformation, there has to be an inward abundance of faith. And this is how I describe faith. Faith is believing in the message of Jesus Christ. Faith is when the message of Jesus Christ takes root in us. That even amidst COVID, we can stand and say, I am the blessed of God. I have never seen the righteous forsaken. I have never seen the righteous begging for bread. He that lives in me is greater than he that is in the world. I am transformed inside out. Therefore, I transform my world around me. I am an heir of Christ. Because he that lives in me. Is greater. Jesus is seated at, at a dinner table. And the Pharisees are seeing a whole different picture. Whose eyes are you looking through? Because the, the nature of the eyes you're looking through determines what you see. You may see COVID or you may see an opportunity. You may see a report or you, or you may see a faith project. That's how my dad always said. He's like, David, there's no problems in the world. There's just faith projects. What is God building in me according to his message that I'm not seeing in my world yet? Then I need to spend time with him. Dan Sibon said it pretty good this morning. He's the way, the truth, and the life. It doesn't cease to be truth at any moment of your life, no matter where you truly are. Because I truly believe God is working destiny in each one of us at this moment. Band, if you don't mind, you can come back up. If you don't mind, get up on your feet. I want us to spend some time. I know this is new here in America probably. But I want you to lift up your hands and begin to thank God in the best way you know how possible. Because there's, there's been moments that you've been through and maybe you lost your faith. Or maybe you thought the message of God (laughs) has been reduced to narcissism. 
It's just been reduced to a bunch of wisdom, a bunch of knowledge <laughs> that only those people who stand on the front say, Father God, we thank you this day. We thank you, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for this reason that we're here in this moment, the greatest time in history to be alive. The greatest moment of victory in our lives. Lord, I break, I command, I break every spirit of infirmity right now, Lord. Sicknesses, I command you to flee in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Broke, got a financial breakthroughs in the name of Jesus. <laughs> because your word is at work in us, Lord. Open our eyes that we may see your word at work in us. Because never once did you ever leave us on our own. Never once did you ever leave us alone. Oh God, we thank you for your spirit that's alive in us. We thank you for your love that's in us, Lord. May it permeate through every arena of our lives. May it permeate through every area of our, of our lives, in our relationships and in everything that we do. Through your mighty name, Father God, I pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you, Jesus.